0: this week we're talking focusing in on love and uh, for some people love is just a four-letter word Uh, for other people love is a very good experience and uh, what they've had of it so far see when trying to explain love though when I'm trying to get the words down for what I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to describe true love I'm trying to share with you the kind of love that God has for us and that's uh, almost an impossible task It's kind of like, I liken it to trying to nail Jello to the wall, okay? It's kind of hard to grab in the first place, and just when you think you got it and you're about to drive the nail in, it slips through your fingers. Love is just a hard thing to try to explain. We're going to give it a shot here as we try to look at who wrote the book of love today. In the book of love, in the Bible, it tells us a little bit about our relationships that we're supposed to have with our spouses. For wives, what does that look like? In Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Let me read that again. For wives, it means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, That should about wrap it up then. We should be good to go. Uh, No, we'll read on. For a husband is the head of the wife. Did you catch that? The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So really what what the task is for wives is to follow your husband's leadership, which is tough sometimes. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I had some bad habits, you know. I, one of them is I kind of blurt out loud noises as kind of a stress release. And uh, uh, I was had a lot of stress one day, and my wife just looks over to me and asks me, what is wrong with you? And uh, so sometimes it's hard to follow the leadership of your husband because they're weird uh, and stuff. But really it's it's are you willing to trust the Lord in uh, changing your husband? Into the man he wants him to be, and then you follow the, really the leadership of the Lord through your husband. For husbands, they're not off the hook. I think they even have it harder. It says in, uh, if we read on, for husbands this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So we're supposed to love our wives just as much and just as well as Jesus loved the church. And Jesus died for the church. And so he was very committed to that relationship, uh, but I can't say that I'm there yet and part of the problem I think for us is that we want to be there now. We want to have kind of like our Burger King uh choices when we when we come, when it comes to love, and we want it our way and we want it now, and uh, we want it all, and we want want it all right now, so we could supersize our love and and get it all in in one chunk and and have it have it all figured out, but that's really not how. Love goes, and, and, and it's not really how God wants to teach us about love. He's going to take us through uh, with God's help. We're going to be able to do what is impossible for man in loving our wives as Christ loved the church. And we're going to be able to do what's impossible for our wives in uh, submitting to us as, uh, as the Lord would have that. See, we can't do that on our own. We just can't get there. It doesn't matter how hard you try, how good a person you are. You're never going to get there on your own. You need God's help. You need God in your life. So as human beings, we often go into these relationships and we go, go into other situations with these preconceived ideas. Love is no exception to that. We know how we want love to look like. We know how we want love to sound. We know how we want it to taste, feel, all that stuff. And we know our picture of what we want love to be. But when I look at God's Word, when I look into the Bible, and when, I, when I experience God's love in my life personally, I get a different picture sometimes. And it's a little bit confusing. When love, when God's love doesn't look like I expect it to look, what do I do? Well, I can throw out God's love and go with my own version, and then maybe I'm more comfortable because I'm in control. But that's really not what God wants for us. He wants to show us His version, what true love really is, so that we can live that out in our lives. Once we get, fig- once we get true love figured out, that is a lifetime process, by the way, once we get to experience some more of God's true love in our relationship with Him, then we're going to be able to uh, share that with our spouse. Then we're going to be able to go to a higher level of love uh, with our relationship with our spouse. So even though we don't realize that sometimes we place God in a box, and we put Him we put our own human desires and expectations on Him. We say, "Look God, you can you can act in my life and I'll make you uh, in control of my life, but only if you operate within these parameters." And we draw a little box and you stay in there. I'll be, I'll be comfortable, and then you can be in my life, and then everything will be great. That's putting God in a box, and you don't want that. See, God isn't limited by any human terms. How can we conceive of a love from a God that's unlimited, that has all power? We can't even think of it. We can't even think of the things that he'll do. But God wants to show us that love in our lives. So don't place your human uh, desires, don't place your human thoughts on God, when you're looking at your relationship with Him, because we've got to understand His love first. If you do that, you'll end up with Dashboard Jesus. This is a guy I got right in front of you right here. He's up on the screen. See, you're going to end up with a God like this if you put Him in a box. If you expect Him to operate on your terms and on my terms, then you're going to get this guy, Dashboard Jesus, enlightenment on a spring. See the little spring on there? On the back, here's the, uh, here's, the, here's the directions on how to use them. Dashboard Jesus comes with an adhesive base. It fixed to all your favorite things. Great for desks, dashboards, bicycle helmets. Imagine riding a bicycle helmet with this guy in there. All right. Uh, computers or anything else that needs a spiritual lift. Well, your stuff doesn't need a spiritual lift. It's dead. You're alive. You need a spiritual lift, right? So stick one of these on your head, and you'll be all, do you want, do you want a God in a box you don't, do you? No, we don't. But we tend to put him in a box by our expectations. We, I mean, whether you are a believer and you follow Jesus for 20 years and you've been in church for all your life, I don't care. If you're a believer or you're just like coming here for the first time to church and you are just got a lot of questions about God, you're really not a follower of Jesus, we both do the same things. We have these thoughts and expectations about how we want God to be, but they're really wholly inadequate. You just can't. You don't want the God that you can conceive of. You want the God that's all-powerful, the real, the true living God in your life. See, God isn't uh, limited by anything. But when we place our desires and stuff on Him, then uh, we put Him in a box and we try to limit Him, which we really can't do, but we don't get to experience the fullness of Him. You don't want the weak, impotent God that sits in the box here, dashboard Jesus. You want the real deal. So our big idea for today is for you to experience true love, for it to flourish in your uh, relationships, you need to be willing, and I need to be willing, to think outside the box and to live outside the box. So we need to think and live outside the box, let God out of the box for love to flourish in your relationships. So our love relationship with our spouse relies significantly on our love relationship with God. If your love relationship with God is right, then you'll be able to share that love with your spouse that you have been learning from God, real, true love. See, our limited view of God, if we've got God placed in a box, our limited view of Him is going to limit the level of love we can get with our spouse. But if we let God out of the box, it blows the doors open on the amount of love you get to experience with your spouse. God has made that, uh, is making that clear in my life. Um, it's kind of freaking my wife out a little bit. As we get older, my desire for her is increasing when uh you know as you get older, you may tend to get a little more wrinkly or you know crabby or uh i 'm not talking about my wife now she 's perfect, but you know you put on a little weight and your confidence kind of goes down right but God, as he shows you true love, you find out that love isn 't based on any of those things. Love is based on who God is, not how we feel so as we walk with God, he's going to show us more and more about this love. When um, back in the day, uh, the religious leaders in Jesus' time asked Jesus a question. They said, look, we got all these rules. And they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules that you had to follow to be right with God. I mean, you, there, it was just impossible for anybody to, keep, to even keep track of them all. And if you followed all these rules, then you could be right with God. And, and they asked Jesus one day to kind of boil it down to him and say, hey, What's the most important rule to follow? What's the most most important commandment? And in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells him. First he gets a question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord, God, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he went on to say a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're not going to talk about that one today. We haven't got enough time. We're going to talk about loving God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So what does this look like? We're going to go to uh, Job and uh, look at that experience there that Job had when uh, some things happened to him. Job chapter 1, this is a conversation we're coming in on between God and Satan, and let's listen to it. And the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from me. So here we got God bragging on Job in front of Satan and all the other angels because they were kind of like having a meeting. So uh, God thinks pretty highly of Job. And, and, uh, and Satan and him go into this uh, longer conversation that basically says, Hey, look, uh, Satan says, If you let me loose in his life, he's going to curse you. He's not going to show you love. And, uh, and God just basically says, Bring it. So uh, who is Job? Job has five, son- five sons, three daughters, over 10,000 livestock, many, many servants, and basically is the richest person in the region. Not only has he got all those physical things, God is bragging on him because, you see, God and Job had spent years and years together. They had walked together, and Job had learned a lot about what love was all about from God. So as we go along, we see, uh, as a result of that conversation uh, between uh, God and Satan, uh, one day four messengers came to Job with some bad news, and here's how it goes. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with the news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them, and then the Sabians raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with the news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with the news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And then the fourth one came. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with the news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job, who is the richest man in the region, has now lost everything. It's all gone. And I don't know what your reaction would be. I can kind of figure out what mine would be. and It's not what Job's is. What's Job's reaction? Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin. Job's first act after losing everything is to praise God. I can't, I'm not there. How can you do that? I think you can do that by spending time with God and letting him show you what true love is really all about. See, Job was Job mourning? Yeah, he was. He tore his clothes. He shaved his head. That was a normal thing to do back in those days when you were mourning. But he didn't base his love for God on how he felt. See, God isn't isn't like a Tylenol that you take when you have a headache or you call into your life when you have some bad things going on. He had spent time with God, and he had spent time fellowshipping with God and God with him. And he knew about God and his character and that God wouldn't leave him and he would see him through this situation, and so he worshiped him. So we, in all these weeks we've been talking about the things you should and should not do in your marriage. Uh, it's, it can get overwhelming. It's like too much. How can I get all that down? But God doesn't want you to get it all down right away. He wants to take you through it step by step. He wants, you to, lead, he wants to lead you through and show you what's the next thing he wants you to work on. And once you get that one down, he's going to show you the next thing, and then it's just up to us whether we're going to be obedient enough to follow him. See, it's not about getting all your stuff straight and then coming into a relationship with God. It's about coming into a relationship with God so He can show you how to get all your stuff straight. And I'm not talking about uh, being the perfect uh, citizen or, or not doing this or that. You know, uh, churches have got, got kind of gotten off track and in saying, you know. We want you to act this way before you can belong to us. That's not what Jesus did. He went out and hung out with the folks that didn't have a relationship with God and so acted like they didn't have a relationship with God. And he said, I want to hang out with you guys, and I want to show you a better way. And if you trust in me, I'll change your life. And that's what it's all about. Here's another example. We're going to look at Paul. See, Paul is well known for writing a whole bunch of books here in the Bible. He, we, we would think of him as a holy man, but that's not how he started out. See, Paul, when he first started out, was really a terrorist. He, he'd fit right in with some of the countries around the world here, some of the groups, because he was, in fact, a terrorist. He was really a pioneer in the business of ethnic cleansing that we hear about a lot of these days. In Acts chapter 9, it, it talks about Paul, who was really named Saul at the time. And God changed his name later. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. See, he was going after the Christians, the ones who were following Jesus, and he, his whole purpose for them was to kill him. If he couldn't kill him, he was going to arrest them and throw them in jail, but he wanted them gone. See, Paul had spent his life learning about God and, and serving God, and he had a picture of who, who God was and how he was going to act. Paul had God in a box, just like we do today. And when... When God sent Jesus, Paul rejected Jesus. He said, there's no way that the Savior of the world could look like this. There's no way that the Savior of the world would act like this man does. Because Paul had God figured out. and The Bible tells us clearly that none of us can have God figured out. We cannot know his ways. We can't can't, uh, possibly conceive of the things that he'll do for us, the ones that he loves. So here, here we have Paul who's looking to kill everybody, and then Jesus appears to him as he's on the road to go do the very thing that he wanted to do, to kill and arrest followers of Jesus. And Jesus rocked his world. He totally changed his life, knocked him down in the dirt, made him blind, and said, Look, you got it wrong. Stop persecuting my people and follow me. And so, so Paul had to take the picture that he had of God and totally change it. He had to put down the things that he had spent years and years learning and then totally rethink and relearn everything he knew about God so that he could follow the Lord. You know, there's something about Jesus coming in your life that when faced with the Lord himself or your own traditions and desires, I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of a struggle, but if you really meet Jesus, if you really get Jesus in your life, he's going to change everything and you'll want to follow him. And it took some time and, and, and Paul went away Saul went away, and it took him years to kind of relearn things, and he, and he was taught by the Spirit, and and uh, and God had a plan for him, is what I'm trying to say. In Acts chapter 9, it said it was the Lord telling another man to go help Saul. And the other man said, I don't want anything to do with him. He's a murderer of your followers. But the Lord said this, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. See, If I put God in a box, I would never think that he could come into a terrorist life, change his heart, and make the guy who was out there trying to kill his followers actually a pastor. He turns a terrorist into a pastor. He turns a terrorist into a church planter who planted so many churches all around the country and showed everybody in those areas the way to Jesus, the way to abundant life. See, if I keep God in the box, I'll never experience that and And you'll never experience it in your life you've got to let God out of the box you 've got to start thinking differently and 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 expect different things, expect great things from God, and then you got to act differently see we can't can, we can't just think differently we've got to live in that place differently. Galatians chapter one Paul's telling about himself. see so you know when i what you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted god 's church. I did my best to destroy it. you see when Paul had religion, he was all jacked up. See, when he had religion, he, he put the traditions before God. He put all the things that he thought God was supposed to do, the way he thought he was supposed to do them, before who God really was. See, when he put religion before God, he ended up killing the very people that God was saving. But even before I was born, he said, "Oh, he, he went on to say he was ahead of his fellow Jews, in zeal for traditions of his ancestors, but even before I was born, Paul says, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Even before Paul was born, God had a plan for his life. He knew he was going to be a terrorist, but he said, hey, look, I'm going to change it all up for you and I'm going to make a great example of you. I don't know why God would pick a terrorist to do that with. Do you? Why wouldn't He make it easy? Why wouldn't He just pick somebody who's already following Him? Well, <laughs> that's a good one. Because God can change hearts. He's the only one who can change hearts. You can't change your spouse no matter how much you nag them. Right? God is the only one who can do that. He is the agent of change. God's love has the ability to transform our thoughts and actions into something totally different, something that seems impossible. And Matthew chapter 19 tells us about it. Jesus looking at them, he said, with, with people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. See, God can do anything. He's not limited. He does not live in a box that we p- try to put him in. But even when I see these things happening in Paul's life or other people's lives, even sometimes in my own, I'm, I ask the question, why? You know, but even like when you read a book and you're kind of getting into it and you like this character but the author kills him off, you don't want, you don't want it to end that way. You, you want to go in there and you want to rewrite the book. But did, do you have the story of that book in your head to write it down? No, you, you weren't given that story. The author was given that story. See, God has the story, the book of love. He's got the book of love and he's writing it out and he's the author of it, we don't get to go in and change it. We don't get to go in and tell him how to act or what to say or when to do it. See, God is the author of love, and he knows best what we need in our lives. There's a picture uh, by a man called Surat, and it's made up of all these dots, these blobs of, of colors. And here's an example. This is a close-up of part of the picture. and all, It just looks like gobbledygook to me. See, uh, all these colors are supposed to blend in together and to show different colors by combining and something called pointillism or divisionism or something like that. He spent years studying this and and he finally put it all together and made a picture because he had this thing in mind and he knew exactly where he needed all these different colored dots to show up because he was making something bigger and better than this blob of spots. And when you look at the final picture, when you look at it all coming together, it looks totally different. It looks like something you never even expect. All these blobs come together to paint kind of a cool picture. Well, that's what God's doing in your life and in mine. He's got this plan for your life, and he's putting things in your life that's going to help you. It's going to help you experience his love. It's going to help you learn about his love, and it's going to help you help other people do the same thing. He knows what to put in and when to put it in, and when to allow things to happen to you to, to prepare you. Either to go further in your walk with him, to, to come to better knowledge of him, so that you can learn to have faith like Job. See, what a, what kind of a husband would a man be if he could even in the toughest of times love God? Because in the same way, he's going to be able to love his wife even in the toughest of times. And what kind of a, a wife... Would it be that that she could, even when things look like they're just totally falling apart, that she could respect her husband and follow his leadership because she trusted the Lord? What would that do for your relationship? See, God knows what you need. God knows what you need to prepare you for the future, and it's a great future that he has for you. He He has plans to prosper you, and he has plans to show you how to become just like Jesus, and he'll do that for you. See, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. We are his work of art, is what he's saying. He's painting this picture, and we're it. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God is the only one who knows where the, all those little spots need to be in your life. And he knows what you need to get, uh, to get the kind of life that's going to help you become transformed in the image of God. For love to flourish in our personal relationships, we've got to have that. We've got to have God in control, outside the box. Let Him out. It's okay. You, you know, we just said a little bit ago that He had good things that He planned for us to do long ago. How long ago? In Ephesians chapter 1, it tells us, even before He made the world, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. See, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. See, God created the universe just to hold the earth because he wanted to make a home for you. And he created you and put you on the earth so you would have a place to live, and then he was going to take time to be with you. He just wanted to spend His life with you. He wanted you to share your life with Him. And that's all He really wants. That's the whole purpose of creation, to be together and experience love together. He created you for a purpose, and He's got plans for your life and things that He wants you to do for Him. And He's going to show you every step of the way what He wants you to do. All we've got to do is be there to be a part of it, to desire a relationship with God to go ahead and uh, take that which is free, a free gift, a relationship with God. What was his motivation for making all this happen? It's simple. It's just love. God loved you so much he created a universe for you with the earth for a place for you, for your home because he loved you. See, God spoke all that into his existence. All that came from nothing, and it was formed by by God's very uh, breath. And then he took his own two hands and he made you. It was a little more personal. He wanted to get in there. And he wanted to get messy because you are so much more important to him. And in Psalms chapter or 139, it says, When talking about God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. How do you knit? You put things together very delicately with your hands, don't you? And that's how God made you because you're very, very important to him. He knows all the very little details, the minute things that you don't even know about. He even knows all uh, that the very hairs on your head are even numbered. He knows how many hairs you've got on your head. Sounds kind of crazy, but he does. And that's just because he loves you so much. So you are his work of art. You're his masterpiece. And he's putting us all together in this picture, and it's all for his glory. We can come to you we can come to other people and say look here's what God did in my life and you're facing this I've been through that and God walked me through all the way and he showed me the way out or God when when God uh, when I thought everything was falling apart God was just beginning and he made what I thought was gone so much more better today I've already shared with you how my uh, marriage has been totally changed as a result of God doing the very that very same thing see. He knows all about you and He knows all about the plans that He has for you. And His desire is to do nothing but to spend time with you. In Genesis chapter 3 gives us a picture of that. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And that tells me a couple of things. I mean, at at this point in the account, see, they had already sinned and they were getting ready to hide. But they had heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So the noise they heard of God moving around was one they recognized because this was a noise they had heard probably every day. And, and that's because God wants to spend time with us. And he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's really all he wants. He wants to come and hear about the day's activities. He says, what happened today? Tell me about it. Tell me all your struggles. What was hard? What was easy? What did you like? What did you, what did you not like? See, He wants to hear from us all the time. He wants to share our lives. And He wants to share your life. There's, there's something that gets in the way of that. And that's sin. It's just missing the mark. It's when we do something that doesn't please God. And that puts a barrier up between us and Him. And that barrier needs to come down for us to have that relationship, that personal relationship. Well, God even took care of that. See, so He sent His, his Son. He loved the world. That means he loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And he just didn't let him die. He let him die just a horrible death. And he heaped all of our sin on him to pay the price so that we wouldn't have to because God wants so much to have that relationship face-to-face with you. And all we've got to do is accept it. That's all we've got to do. It's there for the taking. And it's not about securing a place in heaven. It's about securing a place in life right now with God leading you through it. It's so much better than anything you've ever experienced. You can't conceive of what God will bring into your life because you haven't experienced him yet if you don't have that relationship. And for those of us who have had that relationship and we've been following God for a long time, is he in a box? Have you put him in a box? And are you only expecting human things from him? Because he's got so much more to offer than that. All you've got to do is let him out of the box. We're going to take some time here uh, at the end, and we're going to just give you a time for reflection. Where are you at in your relationship with God? If After this time of reflection, they're going to come up, and we're going to play a little music. Uh, and, and you can stay seated, or you can stand up, or whatever you want to do when we start playing. But it's all about taking time to figure out where you're at. What does God say about where you're at in your relationship with him? Do you not have one? Well, today's the day that you can. You don't need to put it off any longer. You don't need to be afraid of rejection because people have rejected you. God will reject no one. There's no one. I mean, a terrorist. Come on. I don't think we have too many terrorists in here that I know about. So trust the Lord because you can. He says he will never leave us or forsake us. He will always be there with us. And he wants. He so deeply desires to spend his time with you. If after the time of reflection you just have some questions, you want to talk with somebody, you want to pray with somebody, as you leave here today, the the theater straight across. We'll have some staff members there that will be more than happy to talk with you about uh, Jesus, having a relationship with him, or just to pray with you if you like that. But all I say is that leaving here to let... Let God lead you in his relationship with you. If you're willing and you, and you want to let him out of the box, if you want to experience more in life, that's all you got to do. And you, all you got to do is accept the free gift that he has offered you. Salvation. Trust him because he loves you so very much.